PCC Weekly Podcast. Hello. I'm Jason. Here's Nathan. Hello. And Ed is with us. Hey, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, here we are. And uh, do you know how far we are uh, close to 1,000 subscribers yet? Uh, we talk about this every week. I'm going to say we're under 30. All right. All under right. 30. Right. Do you know? I don't. Oh. <laughs> That's why I asked. Oh, no. I forgot to look before I, we went into I think it. we're under 30. Okay. So, but I don't know that for I'm sure. A, I'm going to look it up right here. You're looking go it ahead. up. I'm going right. to look it up. I'm going to look it up. All right. So I'm just reminding everybody, if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that Tell subscribe button. Tell your mama button. and your papa. Everybody, everybody who has a, <laughs> Go make up fake accounts <laughs> and, and hit and subscribe. Get us to 1,000. That's right. That's our that's our one and only goal in this life. So, But we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. I have uh, recently <laughs> seen other accounts that have 10,000 subscribers, and now I'm, I'm liking Now yeah. we're yeah, jealous. <laughs> like, I don't really want to. But that'll never be us. <laughs> never going to get to so. 10,000. I can't even get over 970. All right. Lots <laughs> to get to today. We have... 971 subscribers. Oh, you are less 29. It was 29. under 30. 29 to go. Here we go. So we just need 29. 29. 29. That's all we need. All right. Well, like I said, lots to get to today. Uh, we're going to uh, do a little follow-up from last week, give you a little update about where we are, and uh, got a question uh, someone sent us, and uh, then we're going to talk about we Sunday. We like questions. We love questions. Yes, all about so, the questions. Yeah. And then that way we can put up nice Pithy quick clips. We on, hope that's oh what happens. My. Pithy yes. is not our specialty. We're but. working on Pithy. I'm I'm, no. I'm watching the clock more these days than I All used right. to. Okay, so. good. Thank so uh, let's start by uh, doing a little follow-up. We talked last week about uh, in-person services. Are they going to happen? When are they going to happen? I'm confident they're going to happen. Well, they, we're they just are. confident. I will be confident as well. That's they all are, we've got. They are going to happen and sometime early in June. Now, I do want to specify. <laughs> I want to specify for people that uh, a lot of people think this Sunday is June. This Sunday is not, not June. No. I had some people say, I can't wait for this Sunday. Well, this Sunday isn't June. So we didn't say this mm-hmm. Sunday. This is still May. May. Yes. Still the last Sunday of May. So uh, we're still working on it. Uh, I'm confident it's going to happen. Okay. So we'll probably see tickets soon? uh, Whenever that, the week before. So our our plan at this point is that tickets will be opened up either on Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, then we will be able to figure out what's going to happen. We just don't. I know how people are that if we open them up a week in advance, a lot of people will grab tickets, and then on Friday they'll go, yeah, I'm not coming. Yeah. I don't want to do that And we will have kept people from coming that really would have come. So yes. I actually read uh, a pastor's blog this morning that said that's happening a lot around the country. I'm uh, sure. Lots of people getting tickets who aren't showing up. Yeah. Do not let that be you. Yeah. Churches are open. Beaches are open. Yes. So it's hard to tell on Friday. <laughs> it's tough, it's hard to tell on Friday. Yeah. It is. And uh, – People have been around Community Christian know me well enough. I will read off your name. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's right. Get a ticket, don't show get, up. Get a ticket, I'll go, here's the list of people That's that right. they lied about Sunday. <laughs> Liars. I like, it. I like it. We love shame around here. That's yeah. right. We're all about we it. We are. That's or, or actually, you know, we you have to be a long-time community Christian person. <laughs> yeah, I know we have going. We have five Gs of grace, growth, group, gifts, and giving, the things that we do to grow spiritually. And then someone came along and said, well, we actually have a sixth G, and it's guilt. It ah, is guilt. there we yes. go, yes. That is and who we some are. of you, if you lie to me, you will be guilty. Yeah. I won't have done anything about that. The fact of me pointing it out, you were guilty you already. Change it. All right. <laughs> so, uh, soon... 
beginning of June, watch for your tickets, get them, and be here. Be here and when be you here. when you when you say you're going to yep, be here. Be here. It's really important. Limited numbers that right. we yeah. allow mm-hmm. people to use them, and we may have people that just want to walk in. You know, they just see the church and they come. We believe the Holy Spirit does that, and we want to mm-hmm. allow space for them. Sure. Yes. So there all right. We go. Nothing else about that. I don't think so. Okay. All I right. think that's it. Moving right along. All right. We have a question from a listener, hopefully subscriber. And uh, here's their question. Uh, their question is about a specific Bible verse, Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32. And I'm going to read those verses real quick, and All then right. I'll ask the, the question that they ask us. Okay, this is uh, Jesus speaking here, and he says, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. And so their question was probably pretty obvious. What does Jesus mean when he talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, speaking against the Spirit, and why would that particular sin be one that is never forgiven? So you want to you start on that? You want us to? And, hey, why don't you well, do yeah. something for me just okay. so I make sure I'm right? Because uh, are the verses right before that? Oh. Mm-hmm. They're the ones where uh, I think... The Pharisees have called, uh, said that Jesus is casting out demons by the power of Satan. Absolutely. That is exactly what just happened. So right before that, Mm -hmm. he then turns to them. They they accusing him of being Satan. Yes. And he just says, therefore, I say to you, in Mm -hmm. light of that, the therefore is about that particular Mm -hmm. thing. Yep. And actually the verse right before that, he says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, and then he goes on to say that part. Okay. All right? All right. I just wanted to make sure that I had Mm -hmm. the context clear in my Mm -hmm. mind. Yep. So you want to go? You want want us to go? Doesn't matter. I don't care. Jump in. You already you already got your your. So context. you know the way I normally think about this. This is the way it was originally explained to me years ago when I had that, and it makes sense to me in the context. Mm-hmm. These guys are clearly questioning that Jesus has anything to do with God, and of course, the 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 primary place for our forgiveness of sins is Jesus. It's mm-hmm. the only mm-hmm. place. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus makes a way for us to be right with God. He make he at at the cross. Uh, an event takes place that makes it right for hum- a way for human beings to be made right with God. And as long as I don't turn to Jesus, the, the possibility of forgiveness of any sin doesn't exist. True. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a person that turns away and says, Jesus is of the devil, I blaspheme right. what the Spirit has done in Jesus. I mm-hmm. Blaspheme just means I throw it down. I mm-hmm. cast down on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no possibility of sin because I've turn my back on the only the only way there is to be made right with god which is through jesus mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's the way it is yeah the way it was explained to me is that that this particular you know it, it's tough because that phrase blasphemy against the holy spirit is not very easily understood by most people me included right it, it has to be kind of teased out and explained and the way it was explained to me was uh, that particular sin is a perpetual state of disbelief or discounting the finished work of Jesus. And it is, it is when, I, when I never, so to speak, bow the knee or never, so to speak, place my faith and trust in him. So I stay in this place where I'm rejecting what the Holy Spirit is, is revealing to me about who Jesus is. And so that, that's just basically painting a picture of a person who's just 
perpetually until the last moment refuses to bow the knee to Jesus and to acknowledge that what he did applies to me. And so it's the same as saying someone who just keeps God constantly all throughout their life at arm's length. That can't that can't be overcome. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's the way it was explained sort of to me. Yep. That's the way I understand that as well. Okay. Yeah. Right. I think there's an interesting discussion to be had, but I wanted to leave a break so that that could be the end of that for a clip if we want to use that for a clip. Okay. I think there's an interesting discussion to be had on that, though, uh, for people. Because I don't know if it's in this question or maybe we were talking about it before when people say, you know, I'm worried about whether I'm committing that sin. Like, oh, I don't yes. want to commit that. I don't want to stumble into that because mm-hmm. I think our understanding often of sin is that, oh, there are times I've been doing bad things and I didn't know I well, was doing a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And what if I'm doing this unforgivable thing? Yeah. But one way that it was posed to me in a way that was very helpful is if you're worried about having committed the sin by its very nature, you're you've not committing the sin because you're worried about, I do love Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. Uh-huh. I recognize he's the son of God, and I don't want to say anything. Because I think a lot of times people have, in one point in my life, I was anti-God. And so I made, Mm -hmm. because we often hear blasphemy in terms of I made jokes at God or I made God seem little. Well, all of us, whether we did it with words or not, at some point have blasphemed in that nature of I have mocked God. I have Mm -hmm. said you don't get to be in charge. That's not what this is referring to. Mm -hmm. And it's not the nature, ultimately, of what sin is. Were you going to say something on that? No, I I, I think... I think most of the time when I talk to people about it, people blasphemy has come so much into words. People, right? Yeah. You're blaspheming. You're, and yeah. it's almost always associated with words, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily what this is. It's not. It's not words. There, blasphemy takes place in all kinds of ways mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. But people think because I've cursed or I've said mm-hmm. the Lord's name in vain is that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and again, not in this context, not in that, not in that context. Exactly, That's exactly right. Well, and it's to the nature of why this sin is unforgivable, because sin by its nature is me missing what God's intention is, and so there are things when I don't forgive a person. God's intention is for me to live in right relationship, and if someone wounds me, that I would work to forgive that and make that happen. So I missed the mark in that case, mm-hmm. and I've, I've sinned. In this particular case, though, it's the reason it's almost classified as a separate category, at least in our minds, is because it's me missing the mark of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. It's me missing the mark of, of the nature of, as you said, salvation or... Yeah any of that it's it so i think that goes to the point of and i'm glad you brought that up nathan because i i would hope that whoever it is that sent this question into us i i would imagine that that's the motivation behind the question sure. is, is you're probably wondering have i fallen into that sin have, have i accidentally done this and the question is i don't even have to know you to say no, no. you have not and it, it just the nature of you asking that question and having that concern is evidence that you have not and so and that would have to be something that would perpetually continue throughout your life as well. Yeah. So God's not playing gotcha. God's not just waiting no. for the for the. Oh, you you did the wrong sin this time, and now now there's no more forgiveness. That and again it go. And I've ta- said this on this podcast before. Anything that you read and you and you say to yourself. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Right. You ought to really lean into that. Yes. And, and if and if you read that and said, man, the, the Jesus would say you can never be forgiven because of that one thing you did. That doesn't sound like Jesus. You're right. You are good to lean into that. Mm-hmm. And you, you are on good ground 
to lean into that and try to figure out what that really means. So, sure. uh, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. So I hope that that helps. I hope that brings you some comfort. Now, um, now for the rest of you guys, if you're wondering how do I send questions into these uh, guys to get them to ask, it's in the description. If you're on a podcast app, it should be right there in the uh, description of this podcast. If you're on YouTube, go down below this video, right there at the bottom. There should be a link there. You just click that. It opens up a, a form that you can fill out. And you can be anonymous, and you can send us any question that you want. Or if you don't want to be anonymous, you can always put it in the comments. We read those yep. as well. So throw that in comments, and we'll you can email us. You email can text us. us yeah. You can do whatever mm-hmm. how you can That's contact right. us mm-hmm. we will try to answer your question and we can just call you out by your name yeah. if yeah, you're yeah. if you're That's okay right. with that we'd be happy to say hi. <laughs> we did have soggy nachos reach out and tell us who he was last That's week good we're glad so, he did that oh good yeah. deal i didn't know that That's we wonderful. love those goofy names <laughs> yes all right cool all right let's talk about sunday uh ed yeah. uh kicked us off with a brand new series that we just creatively called faith because <laughs> that's how we roll exactly. yeah and uh the, the thing that, that grabbed me and I wanted to get into is uh, this idea of circumstantial faith. And that was mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the mm-hmm. thing that we brought out to say, you know, this is what many people find themselves living with. And it's, it's certainly not good because it's so shaky. Um, and as you were describing what circumstantial faith is and how it works in people's lives, I found myself thinking this. I thought to myself, out of all the people that I've spoken with, dealt with, heard from over the years about uh, why they've kept away from the Christian faith or rejected the Christian faith or why someone has walked away from the Christian faith, I think that's the number one reason. That, oh, yeah. That when I delve into their reason, and they always have a reason, they always have a, something that they tell me about, getting down to the very heart of it, it is this thing, circumstantial faith in what I see happening around me or the circumstances of my life. And so like my thought was, well, can we talk about just for a minute, where does that that thought or that type of faith come from and how it works itself out? Because it's just so prevalent in so many people's lives. Mm. Where do you think that comes from in people? Where do we I, get those ideas? Well, I think because in the – this is – we'll have to talk it through a little bit to probably get uh, maybe understanding what I'm trying to say. I I think mainly because I am the focus of my life. That's I tend mm. to think about myself. You tend to think about no matter how humble we want to appear. Mm-hmm. I tend to be the focus of my life, and I also think that I'm the focus of of God too. And so, everything about me says something about God. I think so. Mm. The thing when bad things happen to me. It must be God's punishing me or God mm-hmm. wants to get my attention. Every single circumstance in my life, there, you know, the uh, phrase I told you, the uh, phrase that people use all the time of everything happens for a reason. Well, <laughs> okay, if if the reason includes you're an idiot. Yes. Yeah, sometimes. Or someone yeah, else was or an idiot. Or somebody else was an idiot. Or there are evil people in the world that want to hurt you. Or there are people that are good people that you did a really bad thing and they decided to do good to you. Yeah. Sure. Because sure. there's. There ought to be lots of people going, I just don't know why God's so good to me. Mm. That doesn't happen so much. But God is good to us for no reason. Yes. yes. For no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem to get us our t- his attention, our attention so much. But when something bad happens because we think we are the center, I am the focus, then God has now decided to narrow the focus of all the circumstances around this to me. Mm. And he's – or – I couldn't get him to pay attention to me. Right. One of those yeah. two things. It's one of those two things. This is this should have been the main focus mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah. And 
you bring up a thought that I've had before, the goodness of God, uh, which Jesus uh, alludes to in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you know, your father sends rain and, and sun on the good and the evil, and he just he just he's laying just out blessings. He's just good God. He's just giving all the time. I think because of that, <laughs> this is going to sound like I'm blaming God, but because God's so good and he gives us so many good things throughout our lives, we get so used to it. It's 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 those moments, and we've done this in worship experiences around here when we said, hey, stop for a moment and just breathe and just recognize the fact that your good Heavenly Father didn't have to give you that oxygen, and he just did. And and that, that, that heartbeat that you just felt in your chest, he's the one that's holding all that together. He didn't have to give you that either. Just every little thing that I am constantly getting in every moment becomes just background noise to mm-hmm. me. And when that happens, I need something more to actually feel the presence of God. And if I start demanding this more, I get into an, an area, which we'll talk about this week. That's an area that God really did not promise yeah, to me. Yeah, he didn't promise mm-hmm. me. So I, I have to back down to what do I? what has he done for me? And that And you talked about this. I have to place my faith in who he is and what he's done. And once I've done that— then I do see the the overwhelming goodness of God mm-hmm. rather than it just becoming background noise. And there and there has to come a place that you have to get to that at some point because if you live long enough and you're aware enough and you're honest enough, you know you've done enough bad things in your life that God could punish you every moment the yes. rest of your life and not get even. That's right. He would not be even with oh, yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You've done enough things that only you know about, enough bad thoughts you've only had <laughs> uh, that he could punish you. And you know you've gotten a lot of things you just didn't deserve that you took credit for, which should add up on the bad side. Because mm-hmm. you took credit for things that you didn't really deserve. They just came your way. Yes. So there's enough inconsistency in life for you to have to get to the place and go, boy, my life cannot be the basis of my faith. Mm. What happens to me around me, if that's what's the basis of my faith, I'm always like this. Mm-hmm. I have good moments. I have bad moments because my life, everybody's life is that. Yeah, It's just mm-hmm. that every moment. For some of us, it's like that in the middle of days and hours and minutes. It's just mm-hmm. back and forth. At some point, I must have... I believe that Christianity is true because, and it must be a bedrock. Mm-hmm. Here it is; it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why we get so uh, we get we don't understand when we see somebody who, we, to our our viewpoint, their life is going so good, and yet they are so depressed, or they are so they they've had they struggle in life. You know. It's why you, people don't understand why somebody with you know who's really really wealthy could be so sad because right. they sure. think if I had what you had I'd never be sad or I'd never struggle or I'd certainly never blow it like you've done it and we we get this false idea that that's what makes someone a solid faithful happy person it's that stuff and it is the thing that and this is bar none a hundred percent of every person I've ever took taken to a developing developing country and you go and meet christians in that developing country they have nothing that you have Mm -hmm. i mean they have nothing Mm -hmm. and they are unbelievably committed to jesus and all you can think (laughs) is man if jesus hadn't come through more than that for me Mm -hmm. i don't i mean 
when you talk to people and you go, how many children you have? I have nine. I have two that are living. Yeah. And they're still singing God's praises. They're mm-hmm. still completely confident that he's good based on what Jesus, you go, oh, they have faith of a different kind than I have. Yes. Their mm-hmm. faith is in 100% of every person I've ever taken. That's what they eventually notice. Mm-hmm. These people have a trust based on the things I think matter. They, they don't count that much. Yeah. Isn't it to some degree, too, that what we want, what I want is a circumstantial faith. I want a faith that affects my circumstances because, like you said, I, I live my life so much focused on me and mine and my people that what I really want is I just want a way to control everything in that. And so there's almost a a level of it that's not even attractive to some of us that that's not what God's most interested in, mm-hmm. that, that, that what I want. And so cr- humans by our nature, and I think it's the way God designed us, is we are, we are seeking to make order out of chaos. We are trying to—and so in some ways that's great stuff. We, we build things and we make things and we see things that are broken and we fix them. But in lots of ways what we do is we get all this information, and a lot of life doesn't match up. And it doesn't make sense. Like you just said, that's a bad Mm -hmm. person. And even no matter what you believe about God or if you believe in karma or if you believe none of that matters, there is this sense of injustice to a bad person gets good things. Mm -hmm. And you understand that. Or a good person gets bad things. Mm -hmm. And so you start now weaving together some narrative to make that make sense to you of how that all fits. And so if you're raised in a kind of maybe Christian environment or a Christian, you know, a very a country that has been influenced by Christianity. You start trying to now weave, how does God fit into that? And there's a comfort in, well, maybe there is a God who I can pray to and I can do all the right things. And there is some way to get him to do the things I want him to do. Because really what I want is I want my circumstances to work out good, but by by its nature, that is a belief that what is here is all there is, but or what, what I can. And see. What you just mentioned, though, is the only way that worldview works, controlling what happens to me and all that. The only way that worldview does work is for me to then create a God who does do good for the good and bad sure. for the bad. Because now I have a way to, to manipulate Him, and it's so fascinating because that. And I know it's a struggle for a lot of people. Why is there evil in the world? But all that. But that is never even close to what gets revealed in no. Scripture of who no. God is. And I think I heard, uh, you know, our friend Annie Stanley, who just does these great phrases that'll stick in your head. One of those that stuck in my head that he said one time was he said, um, "God is certainly not a God who uh, will never allow bad things to happen to good people because He was the God who allowed the worst thing to happen to the best person." Right. Mm. That's sure. Okay, that's enough. That that's that's, right. that's enough for me, you know. Yeah. But that's the way back to your point though is in order for me to have a god who will do what I want him to do, I have to have that system. Yeah. You know. And so I think the other thing the circumstantial faith that we see so much and that we find in ourselves all of us have a degree of it uh, if we're not careful is there's you know we we read teachings about prayer and that we can change god and if i and if Mm -hmm. i just have faith the size of mustard seed and then people talk about faith like faith is a power Mm -hmm. that i possess that almost overpowers god who can't be overpowered god's all-powerful but he gives me a faith that i can overpower god 
well, that doesn't logically make sense. No. So faith must mean something else, which we're going to talk about Sunday. in this. Is that this Sunday? Yeah, it's this Sunday. Okay. <clears throat> so that we're going to talk about in this series is getting really clear. Faith is not a power that I get to direct. I faith God. I'm yes. going to faith mm-hmm. him. I'm going to mm-hmm. use my faith and direct it. And then people tell us stories where they faithed God. You yeah, know, yeah. I had so much faith and they we mm-hmm. all had faith and we just stormed heaven <laughs> and things happened. And it sounds right, mm-hmm. and it feels so right that I can do that until you storm heaven and the same people are the ones. Because I've stormed heaven, and I have, yeah. I, have, I have seen unbelievable things happen when I've prayed with uh, – mm-hmm. I've had elders lay hands on people. We've prayed, and I've seen things that I would call miracles take place. But the same group have prayed for other people, yeah. and ain't yeah. nothing happened. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, it's because the power is not in you. Yeah. It's yeah. not about yeah. our faith. Yeah. It's not about <laughs> the person. God is there mm-hmm. on both times. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is, and the, this ties back into the question that you had earlier where Jesus talks about, where the where the uh, religious leaders call Jesus out and say that you're casting demons out in Satan's name. And I didn't realize this until recently. We were reading, I'm reading that N.T. Wright book that we've brought up before. It's about the New Testament talking about how it was incredibly common in those times that most people were calling out demons through all different kinds of names, right. uh, often including uh, uh, the, the the one that in that one is was Beelzebul, which was a, like a Babylonian mm-hmm. right. demon, you know, demonic force or something. And it was and and it was common for him to call people out in those kind of things. And the belief was the more powerful God or whatever, but also that this person withheld some power. And Jesus is constantly in those situations pointing to, you know, it's through the Holy Spirit in me and me working with the Father that this has happened, which is why he says to his disciples uh, in different times, it's through prayer that these, you know, right. these certain spirits can come out and stuff. Because he's what he's not pointing to the disciples is every time you pray, you can pull out a demon. Right. What he's saying is... It's through prayer because it's your father who's doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not you. And so there mm-hmm. is this belief. I believe when you believe in circumstantial faith, there is a level of uh, judgmentalism that comes oh. into that mm-hmm. because then I can believe if when my circumstances mm-hmm. are going good, mm-hmm. well, certainly then I'm better. And then I look at a brother or sister who's really struggling and I yeah. go, hmm. That must there. tell me, and that also prevents me from helping them. Oh sure. yeah, that mindset. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I might be interfering with what God's doing to you. The judgment or, He's got on the correction He wants to bring, all of that. Sure, kind of or stuff. it's just an excuse. How many times have you heard yeah. somebody go, "Well, they're poor, but why are they poor?" Sure, yeah. and then sure. so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, sure. like really, I don't think Jesus put the qualifier on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and on the other end of that spectrum, there's a lot of shame that I've, I know many people who have told me the reason my life is so bad is because of this. True. Right. Yeah, I did this thing or there's this thing and there's a shame that's on it of this bad thing that happened to me or happened to my child Mm -hmm. or happened to someone I love. Mm -hmm. That's because of me and the shame that that brings on of trying to mm -hmm. understand that whole situation because faith is some power and I just didn't have enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The amount of conversations I've had with people and you all, I guarantee you both. Both of you had two. They sit in your office and the conversation, they're there to counsel to tell you about something. You know something bad's going to be said at some point. Mm-hmm. But they start with, I try to do right and I come yeah. to church and oh, I yeah. pray and mm-hmm. I've tried to raise my kids and I tried, but I'm, I must be punished. Being, yeah. I know I have been perfect. Mm-hmm. And then they lay out this thing that's happened to them as if 
them not being perfect has caused God from not to bless them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I eventually go, is that the way it always works in your life? You do <laughs> bad, bad things happen. You do good and good things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, that doesn't, it's not one for one. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Well, and there is a level within that, that, uh, careful the way I say it, that denies <laughs> that Jesus is the one that's doing any kind of saving and is doing this because it does move me into a position I wasn't supposed to be in. Right. And I have those conversations frequently with people of, there is a good God is calling you to do, but we always have to be aware. That's why often in like the book of Acts or just in the Bible, they often say, do these things in Jesus' name. Is It's not just that when I go, I go, by the way, Jesus told me to do it. Yeah. It's a reminder to me that it's really him doing the work, and he's using me as a vessel to do the work. And there's a level of, for people like me, uh, I have very much hero complex at times where I feel like I have to. If I don't, if I don't personally help this person, no one's going to help them. Right. And you are, even though for me there's lots of guilt with that because I go, oh, I didn't help them and I need to. I, even though I'm beating myself down, I am elevating myself to a place that somehow God wants me to be omniscient and all-powerful and I can be the one to do it. And it is me removing, well, Jesus is the one. And that is the, the, that's the place of faith and prayers that I trust. I can do the part that I can do. But God's the one that's going to handle it, and I can pray for this person, which isn't—we're not saying by saying that, you know, faith's not a power, that prayer doesn't work. No. What we're just saying is you aren't the one that's doing something. When you (laughs) pray, you're interacting with God, and he is going to to cooperate with you in some way. We Mm -hmm. just—to call that out and— you know, Babe Ruth, call your shot on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what God's going to do, and I pointed yeah. to center field, so he better yeah, exactly. He better come through on that. Yeah, I'm always skeptical. Anybody tells me they know what God's going to do, I'm like, I think I need to run from you. Yeah, they're, yeah. A, little, they're a little scary. I'm really scared of you right scary now. scary to me. So, all right, um, back to the idea of circumstantial faith that you also mentioned this, and I thought was a really good point to bring out to talk about a little more fully is that Oftentimes, our faith starts that way. Mm. Um, On it, circumstances. Yes. yes. Yeah. When I, when I begin my faith journey, and I've seen this for a lot of people, it starts with something happened or something, you know, some event took place in my life or I, res- or I was responding to an event in my life, and then my faith got launched. And that's often a pretty emotional kind of thing that happens in a very momentous moment in someone's life. And, and I think you rightly said on Sunday, that's fine. There, there's nothing wrong with that. God can use an event or a circumstance to launch faith. Started. That's right. The problem is when we camp out there and we never move to put it on a better foundation. And I, want, I thought it would be important to talk about how does that happen it, and what, what, are the, what are the signs that I'm maybe not moving there or I am moving there, or is there any kind of guidance that we can help provide with people to know that they're – putting their faith on a foundation thoughts on that i think uh, so the the and i hadn't really thought of this until you started talking about examples and i think the best biblical example i can think of circumstantial faith at launch paul always tells this story out of this great oh, yeah. circumstance exactly. i mean he has this miraculous kind of thing take place mm. And it just totally changes him. Mm-hmm. He goes from killing Christians to want, he wants to eventually tell everybody about Jesus. But when he comes, you know, in um, Colossians, I think, where he says, I want to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not pointing back to, I mean, he certainly <laughs> has known Christ the way I haven't. 
Yeah. I never, I, right. did, I did not have the experience of having Jesus come in a blinding light and saying, mm-hmm. hey, Ed, go preach to yeah. everyone. <laughs> I have, when people say, when were you called? I guess I'm still waiting because, <laughs> you know, I just have kept doing the next thing and this is where I've wound up being. And I guess that's okay. Again, I, mm-hmm. our friend, Andy Stanley says I, he wasn't, he said, I, it's okay to volunteer. Yeah, you know, and I guess that's what I did. I, me he, too. He, didn't, he didn't like yank me out. I just I volunteered mm-hmm. when somebody said, "Hey, can you do this?" And I go, "Yeah, I can do that." And then mm-hmm. I can do the next, can do thing. The next but thing. Paul had this bam. You got to go do this. But when he comes to that point, he goes, "I want to know Jesus," and he's not pointing back and goes, "And I don't mean like that." Mm-hmm. He doesn't even talk about that at that mm-hmm. point. He's talking mm-hmm. about, "I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know." <laughs> I want to know about his suffering. I want to identify him within that. Well, in it, one part of his life, Paul even says, I have, I'd had another vision, but I ain't even going to talk about it. I'm not going to boast about it. And in that passage, even you talk about his faith. So he has this powerful vision that launches his Mm -hmm. faith. He has this other one where it goes another place and he won't talk about it. But in that passage, he goes, and uh, I prayed, I have this thing that it really bothers me, <laughs> and I have asked for it, and I guess I have about as much faith as anybody, and Jesus just goes, nope. no. Yes, yeah. sir. So right. faith isn't a power to get you a yes, because mm. Paul kept getting no. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk about that in this series we as are. well. So I, I think it comes down to that when you get into a place and something I, the only way i know to know what the foundation of your faith is is when it's tested that's mm, why i said on sunday yeah. there's really not a problem with circumstantial faith in that because we talked about <laughs> circumstance i get things out of my life but you and i both have known people of i used to believe that everyone had to accept jesus to be to uh to you know uh be okay with god and then i got to know this really good person who didn't believe anything and Mm -hmm. i suddenly began to believe well that probably doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't that i suddenly decided you don't have to follow jesus i just didn't want to say anything to this other person so i changed my belief which is all okay until you get to a place in your life and you really 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 need something to believe yeah Mm mm-hmm and then it's really important that your circumstances wasn't shifting by what happened to you. I mean, when your life's going pretty good, circumstantial faith pretty well works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you're calling on God and you're blessing God and all that's going good until something happens and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you better have something that you can stand on because everything else get knocks out. And I can't say I, that happens to everybody because I don't know that it does, but it happens to a lot of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I have people that they'll come at me with lots of questions and you know being a pastor doing what we do and they'll have you know what about this and what about that and they and i'll be honest there are a lot of questions i get thrown my way that i'll have to just look at and go i don't know and i'm not sure about that you know that's that's a really great question but (laughs) i know this over here and i always point back to the resurrection of jesus and i say i'm i'm pretty sure that the evidence the most best explanation for what happened in in 33 AD was that Jesus walked out of that grave. And if that's true, then all that other stuff, well, I, I can figure out what's yeah. happening to you or what questions you have. And so if I can just keep coming back to that foundation bedrock, I, I'm, I'm just fine, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And it took me a while to get to there. I mean, oh, I think yeah. we all have that experience. I mean, I 
can't tell you how many times I've watched people over the years come to faith. And like you said, things are going great for a while. But then they come up against an unanswerable question or an unexplainable circumstance. And that's, like I said, that's the moment where they have to decide, what's my faith on? Sure. You know, it was it the experience that I had way back when or whatever that I'm pointing to? Or is it the great things that God has done for me? Because when all that's gone, what what are you going to stand on when that comes? Yeah, my whole life I've had these little idols. Once mm-hmm. I became a follower of Jesus, that's the way I think of them. These little thoughts I had that, okay, now I follow Jesus. And if I do right things, my kids will grow up great mm-hmm. and that'll go well. And my friends will always and people will applaud me and like me and i'll and and over time you do all the things you're pretty sure that you were supposed to do and then that belief gets questioned Mm -hmm. and so you get that one knocked out of the way and i go oh that was that really wasn't what i was basing my faith on anyway it's Mm -hmm. the fact that jesus was resurrected from the dead and then you don't know it but there are other ones little ones that you've stacked up somewhere yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then they get knocked out and you get back down to okay this is it this is what mm-hmm. I believe, and this is true. And the thing about that kind of faith is it's not it's not very flashy and impressive to most people when they see it. It's like, right. I think I just heard Greg Boyd talk about this. He's, he talked about that uh, chapter in John where Jesus makes all those outrageous statements about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and the crowd is listening. And then it says right after he said that, many of his disciples, mm-hmm. not the 12, but the larger group of disciples, walked away from him. And he turns and he looks at the, the 12 and says, now, are y'all going to leave after hearing me say that? And I love the response. Peter goes, well, where else are we going to go? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that almost sounds like a, okay, you know, kind of faith. And it's not impressive. No. It's not, wow, it's, we got nowhere else to go, Jesus. You're mm-hmm. the one that has the words of eternal life. So I don't know what you just said, and, and I'm not sure I buy into it. And, and that scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't have anything better. I don't have a better option. And, and and the way Greg Boyd said it was, he said, I've come to that place in my life. I don't have any better option than Jesus, so yeah. I'm just sticking with him. And that, that doesn't impress anybody. It doesn't sound. It doesn't make me sound like a giant of faith. It makes me— Or intellect or anything Or intellect else, or any you know, of that. That I have all the questions mm-hmm. and I've thought them all through and yeah. I know everything. But to a degree, that—I thought to myself— that. That's kind of where I've been for several years now. It, it really doesn't matter what God were to come to me and ask me to do. I'd, 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 it might be weird, but I'd go, well, where else am I going to go? Well, isn't that to some degree where when Paul talks about that the wisdom of the cross is foolishness to sure, everyone yes. else, that the, when you get to it, there is this level to—and and I think I think— all the things we do, like in apologetics and all that, I'm very much into apologetics and all that kind of stuff is very helpful for people in answering questions and trying to get at things. But there's a level at which we we almost in that want to over-rationalize a lot of stuff of everything. Everything I think and I believe I've perfectly thought out and I have it all together. But there's this level of – and really what it is is I'm standing on my intellect or I'm standing on – my firm conviction in this thing but there's a level to jesus going to the cross was humiliating and we miss that so much it was humiliating and for any of his followers to say i follow that guy (laughs) would have everyone would have gone you're an 
idiot. Oh, yeah. He was crucified. You're going to follow. So you're also going to go get crucified because you're going to follow him to death. And Paul's like, it's foolishness to everyone. He says to the to the Jews who also believe in the same God, but they don't believe Jesus is that God. They look at this and they go, that doesn't make any sense. Clearly, God wouldn't die mm-hmm. this way. The Gentiles, who are very much all the Romans at the time, they're very much confirmed with status. Well, we wouldn't get crucified. And I think in the same way in our thing of we all want this flashy faith and circumstantial faith feels strong. Sure. Clearly God's hand is on my life. Well, it is flashy. Yes. Look at what, look at what God's done for me. And once again, it gets back to me. It (laughs) makes me feel strong in that clearly God is doing something divine in my life Mm -hmm. that I was able to make it through this. But there's a level of weakness. This is where I'm trying to get to in my life these days. We're going, I may ne- I may never be strong, and maybe I shouldn't be strong. That when Paul talks about it, of I don't boast in myself. Mm-hmm. That there's a level of, I want to boast in myself. <laughs> I want to say I'm doing so good. But when you get to this weakness of anything good going on in my life is God working at me, and it is grace and not grace meaning just forgiveness. It's God doing through me what I can't do, That's right. which the more I learn— I can't do any of it. That is when faith grows because I don't have another option. If I if I want to lean into His power, I have no other option. Yep. So I think when you you one of the questions you asked is how do you know when it's going on? I think for me it's always been something happens and I begin to question what I believe. I probably had an area of circumstantial faith because yeah. nothing changed about the cruci- the resurrection. Nothing changed about that. Mm-mm. It was generally just something in my life. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. either happened in my life, so how do I know? Well, something comes up and I lose my job, or something comes up and the government doesn't go, or something comes up and things aren't going in the way of the world, and I begin to question whether I can really trust God or not. Well, nothing changed about Jesus in those circumstances. Yes. So my faith was not founded on what it should be founded on. Mm-hmm. That's how you, that, I think that's the clearest Mm-hmm. When I begin to feel that, and even when things go great and I go, my faith has grown so much. Yeah. Eh, okay, probably not because nothing no. changed about Jesus and the resurrection during yeah. that time. And we all know that people we know and personally, faith grows more when things are worse. Yes. Mm. <laughs> That's just a rule, man. I've <laughs> it is. I, I wish it weren't true, but That's just the way it the is. The point in my life where I've grown the most have always been the points when thing when pressure is on. Yes. Well, and I think it is because of this thing that you get to the end of what you can do. Yeah. When I get to the end of there is a stripping away of there's a way I've been able to make it through the world and it's either through my intellect or it's through my own power or just Whatever. Whatever mojo I'm putting in the universe that (laughs) I believe is kind of making it happen. And when I get to a place that that fails me and I Mm -hmm. fail and I have to get to a place where I go, what do I do now? But it becomes clear to me, well, God still loves me. You know, the resurrection's still true, these things. And when I'm standing on that as we were talking about this earlier, that joy is not this blind happiness at i'm just going to pretend like everything's okay yeah i choose to just be happy it's not about choosing to be happy no it's Mm -hmm. this confidence it's this uh everything really is okay that everything is fine and that god is still god and god is still good and i trust i was talking to the guys here's your discipleship mention for the week in my disciple <laughs> plug of the week yeah that's right in my discipleship group we just read the crucifixion story and i talk about and I'm sure all of us have had this. Every time I read it, um, especially the John account because it's so long, there, it's sort of the trials and such like that, 
how confident Jesus comes across, and he's just not, I mean, he's not backing down on anything, but he's also not aggressive. He's clearly mm-hmm. so gentle and submissive to their, you know, that they're going to kill him. He's not going to mm-hmm. fight and all this kind of stuff. And I talk about that that's what joy looks like, is that Jesus faces this and that his faith in that moment is he goes, because I even think Jesus before that's praying, please take this away. Yeah. Right, that's oh, right. right. He's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that he's like, I'm trusting whatever God's going to do, mm-hmm. whatever the Father is going to do in this next moment is going to be for my good and the good of others. So I don't even really have to freak out that much, even if this is very painful yeah. and this is and causes a lot of suffering. It doesn't have to be my way. Yeah. It doesn't have to be my way, right? My, your, your will, not not mm-hmm. mine. And that and that that is what joy looks like. In fact, he, Hebrews, when we talk about this, where it says the joy set before him, right? Yeah. That that's yeah. why he goes to the cross for the joy set before him. It's this joy of knowing, this confidence of knowing God is still God. And that's, I think, to your point, where you know my faith is not based in my circumstances. If anyone should have thought God's hand was not on him, it was Jesus when he's on Absolutely. the cross. There's there's any moment where someone would go. Oh, mm-hmm. but he clearly has this joyful confidence. And add something in such a way that one of the guys crucifying when he's dead goes, oh, yeah. that was son of God right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people die. Nobody else Nobody ever died dies like that. Like that. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Moving on. Uh, that's all I've got about Sunday. So we are going to continue week two this coming Sunday. And like yep. I said, we're going to take the next step on this faith series so i uh, hope it's you guys join my that. favorite series that oh, we've yeah. planned in some time yeah. I, I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm jazzed about talking sunday yeah <laughs> i can't wait and so. we had a little bit of a new format sunday which we will sure. do a little again bit. sunday if you haven't watched sundays yet yeah. a little bit change in the way we're doing things with yeah. our online stuff and so tell us what you think yeah we'd love to hear what you think good or bad yeah doesn't mean we're going to change anything no but anyway, of course we not never has before but we like feedback it does it does affect us it just yeah. may not happen as quick as you want it to happen yes because there are other things involved. there are other yeah. things so, involved That's all right. right so all right ed's going to wrap us up today he's right. uh he has mystery questions i do right here. The, the thing i began the last time it was my turn is i have questions mm-hmm. they have numbers oh yeah and, and we uh, guess the numbers and i'm gonna let you all pick and i think just for time wise we're going to let each of you pick a question, okay. and you each can answer. And I guess if you want to hear, I'll answer too. Okay. Okay. So, but it doesn't really matter. It's really questions for y'all. They are numbered one through seven. You can pick one through seven, one of those, and we'll see what happens. You want to go first? Sure. Go. Four. What, what lessons has work taught you that you're thankful you know? Work at the church? Just work. Just your uh, work. Your work. Hmm. What lessons has work taught you? I think just people things. I think having to to deal. You know, it's like I and I know it's kind of now become cliche to say, but I do say to I do say to all of our teenagers now, like group projects is the is the only thing. Homework is is useless. Um, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't teach you anything for life. Not that you're going to ever use. You're never going to yeah. use that in life. <laughs> but what you will use in life is having to work with people that you feel like aren't as good as you. <laughs> and that you feel, or you or feel, that you think you're gonna have to. I carry, think he's talking about us. <laughs> I looked, I looked specifically at Jason. He looked now. right at us, man. <laughs> no, no, but you feel like aren't putting in as much work as you, or aren't Again, putting as much effort. Over at me. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, or that you feel like, or or they just frustrate you, or that their their particular communication style or their way of doing that. And that's been true since I was, 
16 and working at Brewster's and having to deal with all different kinds of stuff. And believe it or not, it still applies when you work at a church that, that you, you, you interact with people and you do like these people, but there are times that you're button heads and having to learn how to deal with conflict and deal with other people. And to me, it's helped me learn how to love better and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I would, but that's what I often tell teenagers as well is actually lean into the group project. It's helpful to you. Okay. What, what about you? You want to answer that one or not? Um, it's, it's taught me, unfortunately taught me to fail because, hmm. <laughs> because it's been, uh, as I've said on this podcast, a struggle in my life that I don't like to be wrong. I don't like to fail. I like mm-hmm. to succeed. Um, but I like it a, a lot more than most people. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, I, it informs my identity way too much. And, uh, that the, the, the work of succeeding, ministry yes. succeeding informs, informs yes idea. that's what i meant to say yeah. succeeding informs my ego way too much and um the work of ministry has <laughs> it's been one long string of lots of failures yeah. with some hints of success and you're thinking maybe we're on the right track and so we're going to go this route and nope that didn't work let's try something else and it's often been very frustrating to me yeah. Uh, and and has led led me to places that are kind of dark, wanting to just quit and give up. Yeah. And uh, I've I've talked to a lot of guys that do what I do, and that's mm-hmm. what I hear from them is they go through dark times of wanting to quit and give up. And I certainly have had those too. So I've I've had to learn through getting through those moments. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think for me, work work is always I've always loved work. I grew up working, but I've come to realize. Uh, that you better have something that is you're passionate about your passion doesn't always get fulfilled at work it's Mm. good if they somehow can align and you can use your passion i happen to be passionate about i'm a passionate person in general everybody knows me about everything if i care about it (laughs) i'm passionate about it but a lot of work is just showing up and doing what you said you would do yeah Mm -hmm. and that's one of the Mm -hmm. biggest part and you you wind up accomplishing a lot that you can look (laughs) back at and feel pretty dang good about Mm -hmm. even if in the moment of doing those particular things you weren't particularly passionate about them a lot of good comes out of just showing up and oh yeah just doing your job that's my hope is for me is i've just been showing up for the past 24 years Mm. (laughs) and i'm hoping that at some point, somebody can look, help me look back and go, "See there, that was that was that was worthwhile." I remember hearing you tell a young guy who was thinking about going to the ministry in our church, and I, uh, I when you said it, I, I, it was the right thing to say. But it's he he had been involved with us as a volunteer as a young man. He'd been involved through youth ministry, all that kind of stuff. And you said you just need to know every job is a job yeah there are job yeah. parts of it yes they are just jobs yeah. and if you only go into it the part that makes you feel great mm-hmm. every job eventually becomes a job yes sir mm-hmm. and you just have to show up and there's a reason have, they call it work yeah, yeah. you just have to do it yeah. that's right. all right so that's that one so am i picking a number now you got a number you got one through seven with no four i'm gonna go with my childhood hero number three dale murphy all right. Oh, well, this should be fun for all the listeners. Okay. How'd you meet your wife? Oh, boy. Okay. How'd you meet your wife? Oh, uh, you want the long version At or the work. short version? No. <laughs> time all together. No. Um, I was uh, in college. I was uh, dating another girl, and uh, we, were, uh, we were both a part of a K-12 
campus ministry on the college campus. I actually took a job as the intern of this campus ministry. And um, long story short, this particular girl that I was dating, things did not work out. And uh, it went horribly wrong really, really fast. It was a, it was a bad deal. And it was a very serious relationship. Her and I were, were very serious, probably going to get married if something bad hadn't happened. And it did. And uh, then this crazy thing happened one night where... My current wife uh, wound up uh, on a night where it was a Christmas break, and everybody had gone home from college. She winds up in her apartment building. She's all alone. There's no one there. I'm living in the same town. I'm back at home with my parents, and she starts looking through this phone book that she had and saying, who's in town that I can call and just because I'm bored to death, I, wanna, I want somebody to do something with, go sit and have an ice cream with. Right. And she comes in my name, starts with a C. I was at the top of the list. And she said, oh, Jason Collins is in town. I bet he's not busy. And she called me up that night. And uh, I had recently broken up with this other girl. And, and, uh, or she had broken up with me, I should say. <laughs> and, uh, and she calls me up and says, hey, I'm stuck in town. There's nobody here. There's nothing to do. Thought you might want to go grab an ice cream. And I said, Okay, I'm bored too. There's nothing to do, and we wound up going out that night. And uh, I probably sat and talked to my current wife on that night uh, for four straight hours. And it was the first time we'd ever sat down and talked. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where we hit it off really, really well. Just became best best of friends, and we still are to this day. So that's cool. how I met her. Good story. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I met my wife Jennifer uh, when we were. 13 and uh we would uh back when aol instant messenger was a thing yeah yeah and uh we uh we had friends of friends and so back in those days teenagers would all jump into chat rooms together and all their friends from different schools and such would all show up and so anyway we started talking and then because now you had our screen name well we just we were just friends for a long time for a couple years and then started liking each other we still hadn't met I didn't know she wasn't a 40-year-old man, and so uh, <laughs> did what uh, every smart uh, teenager should do, and we met up at the movies with some friends, and uh, I mean, wow. the rest was kind of history at that point. We man. went and saw... I had no idea y'all started out online. Yeah. Yeah, we were... We, we, What's we, the movie you saw? We saw The uh, the Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler, The Longest uh. Yard. So we went with, uh, yeah, with my, my best friend and then her best friend. We all met up and just went to the movies, but it was kind of known that we were going because we wanted to date. Cool. And so uh, then we dated all through high school and got engaged uh, the weekend of graduation. So uh, all you who didn't get to graduate, that's what I did on graduation weekend. And uh, then a year later, uh, we got married. So. Mm. That's cool. How'd you meet Becky? Becky and I met at church. I had been a Christian. Uh, well, I I don't need to tell the whole story, but a long, sad story. The last person that would take me in was my sister uh, <laughs> to let me live with them, but I had to go to church. Uh, her husband, my sister's husband, was Becky's preacher. And uh, so I wound up going to that church, eventually became a Christian, and uh, then started attending that church. And at a church picnic... Becky was an all-state basketball player, for those of you who didn't know that. And uh, she, uh, she, as a girl, was playing basketball with all the boys. <laughs> and uh, I was playing, and uh, I was guarding her, and she was regularly beating me. Oh, yes. I mean, really beating me badly. <laughs> and uh, I am super competitive. <laughs> and uh, 
So I, at one point, there was a break, and I said, the only reason you beat me is because you can foul me, is you foul me all the time. She <laughs> said, I do not have to foul somebody like you to beat them. <laughs> and then she took her cup of water and threw it in my face. Awesome. And I thought... I like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> and uh, then I asked her out not long after that. There you go. So that's all it took is just water in the face to Ed. <laughs> that's what you need. Insult him. <laughs> yeah. Already married, though. It ain't yeah. happening twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, that was fun, Ed. Thanks for, thanks yep. for bringing it. You're that. welcome. Yeah, all right. Like so uh, this week we are back online only. Yes. Not yet in person, yes. but soon. Soon. All right. So we will see you Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.